Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 66 of The Yacking Show. This is where we talk about life, business, and more. And we bring you tips and ideas for the changing world we're living in. And it's really changing right at this moment. As always, we have interesting guests on our show. Today is no exception. Going to be a very interesting show today. But it's my job to hand over to Kathleen. Before I do, though, you'd really help us if you'd hit the subscribe button under this video, because then you won't miss the next episode and our next exciting guest. Now I must welcome Kathleen. Hi, Kathleen. Good to see you back again. How are you today? Hi, Peter. Great to see you, too. And I'm doing great. Thank you. And thank you all so very much for tuning in to our show. We so appreciate you. We enjoy reading your comments, so please keep them coming. And if anyone out there is interested in becoming a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. Her name is Valerie Forgard. And she is coming to us from the United Kingdom. Welcome, Valerie. How are you today? Hi, Kathleen. Hi, Peter. Thank you Hi. very much for having me on your show. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's our pleasure, really. You are the founder and director of Stunning Brand, and you also are the founder of World Citizen Artists. Can you please tell our audience more about your background and what led you into this career path. Yeah, so unlike many people, I've got uh, quite an unusual background uh, and where I am now is really not what I had planned. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it, it's been beyond uh, expectations, which is great. I am from a small town, very small town in France. Um, where I was uh, the first Asian, I believe. Uh, so it was uh, quite an experience to grow up in a, in a small area, particularly in the 80s. Uh, it was a very different time. And I have been lucky enough to have an inheritance when I was 19, uh, which I chose to use to go traveling uh, rather than studying. So I don't, mm -hmm. everything I do is uh, I'm entirely self-taught. Um, and I've learned uh, most things I know for traveling, working abroad. I had probably about, I went through my CV today and I realized that I had over 25 jobs. Wow. <laughs> so, and I, I worked for, with uh, probably over 100 nationalities um, in, in my lifetime. So I've, I've been traveling for about more than 16 years and living abroad. Um, so I, I had like a very rich life experience. Uh, however, when I find myself sometimes with other consultants to do what, what I'm doing, I realize that um, I'm not exactly the typical <laughs> consultant. I have uh, other ways of uh, seeing things, uh, but it, it works for me and, and for my clients. So, so that's, uh, that's wow. good enough. <laughs> Can you tell us but about Stunning Brand and what it is exactly and how you started that? Yeah, so I, I started uh, Stunning Brown kind of accidentally. Um, I didn't plan to be a brand consultant, but having traveling in many places and worked in many places, um, many people 
in the workplaces uh, made me realize that I had a very broad view of uh, looking at a company, looking at a at an organization and uh, I tend to see what I've seen somewhere else. Uh, I tend to see what's missing, what could be added uh, that could help boosting brands. And um, I even had uh, some uh, employers who sent me to the coaching before uh, to friends of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, for for their company, so so then I realized why not uh, building a business and actually getting paid for it, <laughs> mm. um, and and that's how I ended up to to do this, uh, and I really enjoy it, and and what I really enjoy also is is to help people feel like um, I'm I'm being useful and bringing some some insights of of life experience and and work experiences. Wow, you you say you worked in sixteen different countries and and with a, people from a hundred nationalities. So, did you have a base that you came back to between all those different jobs, or did you go from one country to the next and just keep on going? Uh, initially, I had base which was the UK uh, uh -huh. and France um, and uh, but uh, there was one time I traveled for four years in a row I, I just didn't go back at all uh, that was quite a long time actually coming from Europe what I was missing after a while was the old buildings Yes. Uh, which is a strange thing because when when I was growing up I didn't really I, I actually even when I was a kid I was finding these old buildings quite boring but when you're away for a long time you realize that yes. there are some things that are really part of uh, become part of you absolutely absolutely I, I found that living in Africa where there were South Africa stars there were buildings Europeans there from the late 1600s but only in one small part where I lived in Rhodesia the first Europeans went there and the first buildings were in the late 1800s so we were talking a hundred odd years mm -hmm. I went to England and was looking at cathedrals that have been there for 500 600 a thousand years and you you really get that sense of history don't you yeah you feel yeah. <laughs> yeah what about it actually I just have to this yeah, carry on. Kind of interesting because just on that note, I, I remember traveling like I love Ireland and, and Scotland and and I was so drawn to it because of the rich history and the you know, in Ireland there's you look through a field and you see ancient ruins just sitting there and you can go up to the castles and that are ancient and have been there for as Peter said, five, six hundred years. It's amazing. And I remember speaking with the locals and asking about you know, I, I just love your country because of that. And they said, oh, really? We were sort of drawn to North America because modern. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, right to each his own, I suppose. Carry yep. on here, I'm sorry. So one thing that I picked up from your website, Barry, um, and I'm quoting from your website, you say, your brand is the bridge between where you are now and where you want to be. So tell our listeners and viewers a little bit about, more about that. Well, I tend to see a brand as a person. Um, I don't see a brand as a brand. For me, a brand speaks, a brand makes you feel something. Um, a brand can be happy, angry. <laughs> mm -hmm. so, so I tend to see, see it as a person. So it's like if you say to a child, 
um, your your personality and your your being uh, is is what will take you uh, to to where you are. So the way you you the choices you make is is what will take you to the next stage. So so you so many people think the brand is just the design, and then you do the marketing with the design. Um, but if you take everybody's path, then you end up like everybody everybody else. <laughs> right. and, and if you want to have a special brand, then you, you have to take some initiatives uh, that are more creative, that, that are more adaptable as well, uh, without cha changing especially the design or anything like this, but it could be like a lot of companies now take initiatives to get involved with diversity, for example. Um, so, 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 so they've understood now that the brand is not just about design, but it's about also the old strategy and the personality of the brand. Sure. So, so what you're getting for, you're aiming for is when that brand is brought into someone's consciousness, be it audio, <coughs> auditory, visual, sensational, tactile, the first feelings they get are positive. Yeah. <coughs> So, uh, for instance, in my history, in my experience, the first fast food chain I can remember in South Africa was Kentucky Fried Chicken. Um, whether it's good or bad for you is, is not the point at the moment. But whenever I heard that brand, I thought, wow, tasty chicken. And um, <laughs> so it was a positive feeling. And then, of course, people said, well, you shouldn't be eating too much fried stuff. But that, that came later. But other brands um, that other people I think are iconic just leave me cold because I don't have that perception. So, so that's the art that you've got to put into it. Right. I'm with you. You, you have to give, give it life. To, to mm -hmm. Give it uh, life. life. Yeah. That's a good one. And so switching gears a little bit, what motivated you to start the world citizen artists? Um, well, actually I wasn't aware of my branding capacity back then. <laughs> Right. Um, so, and actually this is one of the things that made me aware that uh, I, w I was actually capable of building something from nothing. I, well, I was living in a 38 square meter apartment in Paris um, and speaking about my organization as it is a, a global organization and it, it became global uh, eventually. <laughs> uh, but what motivated me is um, so World Citizen Artist is um, an organization that promotes humanitarian issues and social issues through arts and music. And mm -hmm. uh, so there's two sides of me. Um, one side is an artist. I'm very creative and I've also exhibited paintings and uh, before doing all of this. Um, and um, and I also had a very strong interest in humanitarian issues because during my travels, um, I, I went through civil war areas, for example. Um, I volunteered in the garbage dump in Guatemala for an educational project. Uh, so I was very attached uh, to try to help people on the ground. Mm -hmm. And when I went back to Europe, I felt really frustrated because I wasn't on the ground anymore. I couldn't mm -hmm. help anyone. Uh, I mean, now I realize there's a lot of people that need help also in, Euro in Europe. Uh, but when you're younger, you kind of see helping means being the worst um, area in the world where sure. people are really going through the extremes. 
Um, and I, I just had this missing and I, I still wanted to be part of it. And so where, where, when I tried to build an artistic career, um, I went to galleries in Paris. So I went back to Paris after this, it was about 15 years of traveling back then. And um, I went back to Paris and uh, my husband now told me that um, I should go to the galleries and see how it works. And I couldn't find uh, any conversation about humanitarian issues and social issues because my idea of the artistic world of Paris was the time of, you know, when Picasso, Modigliani and mm -hmm, all mm -hmm. these artists were meeting up and talking about the issues in the world. But I didn't find this. Uh, that was in 24, 2012, 2013. And uh, then I went to the humanitarian and social organizations um, networks and I couldn't find the artistic um, area so I thought if, if that world doesn't exist I, I have to create it and mm -hmm. and um, and and because I knew that art could have a strong impact on uh, putting for a message uh, and that's how I came to it okay okay and are you still active in running that now Yes, yes, uh, very yes. much. We restarted this year, uh, but I'm starting now to delegate more mm -hmm. uh, and give more experience. So we've partnered with the Bristol Students' Union uh, from the Bristol University, mm -hmm. um, and we're recruiting a lot of students from there. So I'm trying to teach leadership uh, to students and see if they can start to to handle it a little bit more, to, to give more projects to the new generation, because after all, the art world will be this. <laughs> yes. No, very good. So That's Valerie, you've worked with um, some major consumer brands and also for nonprofit organizations. What are some of the key differences and some of the highlights? Um, Non-profit organizations, uh, well, in the private sector, people sell something that's very straightforward. People want it or don't want it. Mm -hmm. um, a non-profit organization sells something that will not belong to people. <laughs> yes. It's uh, helping someone else that you may never meet in your life and you may never really know what the result of your help was. Um, so the consumers are taking uh, a bigger risk in a way in terms of result and mm -hmm. don't get anything that they can say this belongs to me. Um, but the, the, the thing that belongs to them is the feeling of helping, the feeling of contributing. Um, but if I'm a consumer, I don't know, of Coca-Cola, for example, I don't feel like I really contribute to Coca-Cola apart from the financial, uh, but I, sure. I, I think I'm drinking a Coke because um, I like Coca-Cola and, and um, it's, it's mine. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, so I think that's the, the difference. So the, the way of um, working uh, is and, and the impact that um, these different organizations are making. I think they have a lot to learn from each other. Uh, the private sector can learn a lot from the nonprofit sector uh, area in terms of emotion. 
and uh, non-profit can learn a lot about the, the private sector in terms of uh, structure, sharpness, um, and, and have more of a business mind as well. Mm -hmm. Now we see a lot of large organizations who are very business-minded, uh, so it's, it's less... It, there's less difference. The branding mm. is has become very similar. Um, they, they both integrate what, what was working in the other area. But there's still some differences in the way people are working, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, in the public sector, it's public money. In the non-profit sector, it's uh, money that they have to chase. And sometimes it's, it's uh, sponsorship and public money. Um, and, and the private sector, if you don't work, you don't get. Uh, so so it's, it's a different way of approaching um, funding. Right. Right, right. Then I wanted to ask you, you've worked in all these different countries and we're all aware of cultural differences between different countries, different parts of the world. <clears throat> Set aside the culture for a moment. Did you find major differences in attitude between different parts of the world or, or, or not a lot? Oh, yes. <laughs> um, well, I could start with France, for example, because I come from there. And when mm -hmm. you live abroad, you realize more the, str the, the strengths and weaknesses of your own culture. Of course. Um, so the French, for example, tend to be very direct, uh, like debates. Um, it, it's part of the culture. And, and, and if you can have a good debate, it shows confidence. In some of the cultures, uh, having a debate means confrontation, conflict. Yes. <laughs> right. So, so you can see these differences. Then some cultures tend to be more apologetic. Mm -hmm. um, I found cultures where there's been several countries which have been colonized by several countries tend to be more curious because right. in, in their history they had to be curious because they, they've seen a lot of cultures passing through. So, I mean, I, I don't know about South Africa, but I can imagine that you, you've experienced this a little bit. Oh yes, very much so, very much so, and um, but also a lot of similarities that I, I found that successful people from wherever tend to have similar characteristics and attitudes, doesn't matter where they come from, and people who don't really want to do much for themselves have similar attitudes and characteristics, <laughs> no matter where they come from. Um, yeah, that, 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 that is interesting, but I, I think it's it's I'm like you, I'm very grateful that I've had the experience of living and working in different parts of the world because it certainly opened your eyes to lots of things that other people don't get to experience. So that was good. Now, while I've got you again, stunning brand. You, when I looked at your website, you, you've got four um, senior people like yourself, yourself and three others. And uh, with all with different areas of expertise and the one lady I think is the mindfulness expert so how does that fit into your branding strategy that that's what a lot of people ask <laughs> um, well I believe to have a good brand particularly for corporations um, now the well-being of employees is important uh, because your biggest brand advocates are your employees and mindfulness is something that a lot of companies are looking into mm -hmm. uh, to help them focus, to help them being happier, to help them cope better with stress 
and uh, and so that's why I incorporated uh, mindfulness. I, I did a lot of sessions myself, and uh, I found that it, it does help being also more creative, more efficient, and if you want a brand because well we're not actually really doing branding in terms of design or we're, we're doing more in terms of the the inside mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. the, the energy the brand is is passing on and and the, the emotion it's giving and and to give the the positive to make a positive impact um you know, like there are some sayings that uh, the the employees are actually the core of of your company, and mm -hmm. and good leaders understand that and understand that it is part of 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 their branding as well. Because the employees, if if employees had um, um, are being taken care of, and and they have sessions for their well being. Um, that looks very good for the company, but also employees sure. speak about the company um, as an intelligent company, as a company who cares about them, and and it's it all adds up. Absolutely, yeah. Kathleen, back to you. So, Valerie, if somebody was interested in getting a hold of you, how do they do that? How do they connect with you? Um, so they can go to the website stunningbrand.com. Uh, there are two contact forms, one for corporation and one for um, entrepreneurs, uh, coaches, consultants, uh, or people who just want personal branding. Uh, if they are not sure they want to fill the form, they can also contact me at hello at stunningbrand.com. And if they want to check me out, uh, we have, I think, some reviews now on Trustpilot and, uh, and um, Google reviews. Um, so that's uh, several ways of, of reaching out. And the phone number is on the website as well. Mm -hmm. That's on there too. Okay. So you've answered what was going to be my next question, and that was going to be what sort of businesses do you work with? And <coughs> excuse me, so obviously you work individuals who want to improve their personal brand entrepreneurs and corporations of what any size or yeah the, the, the size doesn't matter uh, the size of the workshops does matter because if there's too many people uh, sure. it's less focused um, I've worked with uh, tech companies uh, mostly um, and it's it's been really interesting because they, they tend to be very receptive uh, but uh, we're open to to any company. Like for example, um, I think uh, Orla has worked with large corporations. Uh, Paul is, tends to work um, with both. Uh, Dan works with uh, very high-profile leaders. So we all have different mm -hmm. strengths. Different strengths, right? Strengths. Sorry, my English sometimes. <laughs> no, that's uh, no English. It's fine. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you was, are you seeing a pattern in how businesses, large or small, are overcoming the challenges as a result of this uh, coronavirus lockdowns and, and all the stresses that are being put on businesses? Is there a, a common thread in the ones that are pivoting and becoming successful despite it? Um. I think everyone is more aware now of uh, of well what something like COVID can do, and people are also aware of the future impact of climate change. So I think work from home is going mm -hmm. to be uh, happening more and more. Uh, 
um, and also there's going, they're implementing a lot more uh, mental health programs mm -hmm. as well, which is uh, becoming necessary. Um, in terms of branding, as most people think branding is in terms of marketing and uh, not much really. It's, uh, not pretty much. But one of the big challenges for businesses that have always had all their employees in an office or in a, in a factory or whatever, suddenly they have some of these companies have large numbers of people working from home that they don't see for maybe weeks at a time, except by Zoom. This must present some fairly major man management challenges, I would guess. It depends. Um, well, some, some tech companies are usually prepared, so, mm -hmm. so it, it doesn't seem to be too much of a problem. Of course, there's, depending on the country, in France, they tend to miss the contact a lot because French people like uh, that. That's why we have long lunches. And <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> we like chatting. And, um, I think in, in English-speaking countries, uh, the work from home was already, in, in tech companies, was already happening quite a happening. lot. Happening, sure, um, sure. I have heard someone the other day saying that uh, his uh, employer uh, is selling their building uh, because they've realized that they've, pro they've provided more results uh, since people are working from home. So it, yeah. it, it really depends uh, on the company. Sure, sure. Interesting. Kathleen, we're running somewhat short of time. Back to yes. you. Yes, so I think we are out of time, actually. So thank you so much, Valerie, for joining us today. We so appreciated having you on. And uh, thank you all very much for joining us again. And again, we appreciate your comments, so do please keep them coming. And if anyone out there is interested in becoming a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself, and you would definitely make our day if you were to subscribe to our YouTube channel. So until next time, take care and uh, stay safe. Bye-bye. <music>